It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And we're back with another Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, the Georgia Early Education Alliance for Ready Students, that most people know as GEARS, celebrates 10 years of community impact this year. Although due to COVID, the milestone was celebrated virtually. And Commissioner, today we also want to mark the occasion with two of the strongest advocates for childcare and early education that we know. Uh, we do, and I can't think of um, two better people to talk to this morning, um, Mindy Benderman and Stephanie Blank, and they have um, been huge supporters of not only DECAL, but early learning in general in our state and have made a huge impact. And so I'm glad that we can celebrate with them uh, through a podcast. Well, when I joined the agency nine years ago, I think GEARS was the very first acronym I heard, and we have a lot of acronyms around our office, so that says a lot that GEARS was right there at the top of the list. Joining us uh, to talk about 10 years of GEARS and its relationship with DECAL is Stephanie Blank, GEARS founder and chair of the board of directors, and Mindy Benderman, executive director for GEARS. Ladies, congrats on 10 years. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So, Stephanie, take us back to the very beginning. You know, so often early childhood education is somewhat of an afterthought for people, unless you're a new parent or maybe a grandparent. How did it become your passion? Well, it's funny that you mentioned becoming a new parent. In um, 1997, on Valentine's Day, I became a mom for the first time. And I remember being in my hospital room that night holding this newborn perfect little boy and crying because <laughs> obviously I was overloaded with hormones <laughs> but just remember thinking oh my gosh I have to take care of this person for the next at least 18 years and and I've got to do all this stuff right and and how am I going to do all of this? And then I remembered thinking, you know, I had a supportive husband. I didn't have to worry about things financially. I had my mom there with me. I had a great network of friends. And I thought, you know, how does a single teenage mom navigate this with, you know, one who doesn't have all of these resources? And so that kind of started the initial passion that I have continued to have for this topic. But I also started reading about it and going online and researching. And someone gave me the book, Neurons to Neighborhoods, which was kind of a seminal book around the developing brain and what's happening. And this was at about the time, so Josh will turn 25 um, this coming February. And this was about the time that a lot of the science was beginning to um, explode around early brain science. Um, and so when all of that came together, um, I thought, you know, the foundation, and this was the um, Arthur M. Blank Family Foundation, we, we need to, to jump into this. And what was interesting is that with all of the not-for-profits that we were working with on various issues that affected teenagers or middle schoolers or whatever it might be, every one of them always said, if we could just get to the kids 
a little bit younger. And so then we started going to the folks who were working with the kids that were a little bit younger, and they said the same thing. And so what we began to realize is that those first, particularly um, first five years, are so formative in what happens with the child. And um, we made the decision as a foundation that we were going to embark on this, this, this journey of um, exploring and learning and being a part of the early learning uh, movement. Well, Mindy, how about you? How did you end up leading an organization like this? And what was life like before Gears? I was really a lobbyist, both in Maryland and in Georgia. And um, we had moved to Georgia and I was doing government relations for Voices for Georgia's Children and felt really passionate about children's issues. And Voices for Georgia's Children had done some policy work on pre-K. And that's how I got to know Stephanie. And one day I was sitting in my office at Voices and I got a call Um, and the assistant said, Stephanie Blank is on the phone. And Stephanie, you've all met her, just has this sheer willpower, right? When she, she can talk, she can sell ice to an Eskimo. And so (laughs) she said, Mindy, do you know what I'm about to do? I um, just volunteered to start this new organization. Um, And I said, Stephanie, we're so excited about it. Can't wait to partner with you. And she said, I kind of want to talk to you about maybe doing more than just partnering at Voices. Really want to see if you'll come work with me. And um, we had our first like date, what we call our date, our first interview in Washington, D.C. We attended a conference together. And by the end of that, I was like so excited to do this with Stephanie. And it's been really fun. And I have to jump in because... There was nobody else I interviewed. When, when Mindy um, came to present to the Blank Foundation, we were having a, a board retreat. I knew then and there uh, that I wanted to work with her someday. So when Gears was being started, I went to Russ Harden, um, uh, head of the Woodruff Foundation, and I said, I think I found the perfect person. Do we need to do a national search though? Is this the right thing to do for this new organization? And he said, is she the right person for the job? I said, yes. Does she have the right kind of background and experience? Yes. Do you like her? Are you going to be, you know, working with her in a good way? Yes. He said, so why do we need to spend all this money on a national search? If you've got the right person, go hire her. Best advice I ever got from Russ, and it's really been um, a, a blessing in some ways. You know, Mindy's like, we're like a married couple. Um, it's been that kind of partnership. I, I, I trust her. I admire her. Um, and um, she's, it's, it's just been a remarkable journey. Yeah. And you can definitely see that synergy when you're up close and, and working with gears uh, between Stephanie and Mindy. Uh, amazing. Great, great advice on that job search, by the way. You saved a lot of money. And yeah. so that's good news. Put that toward the kids. You know, when you look back uh, over 10 years, uh, a decade, what would you include in the gears highlight reel? Now, I'm going to go ahead and slot in that first meeting between the two of you when you guys got together. That's pretty much good. Uh, for the highlight reel. What were some of the milestones, though, that, that immediately come to mind? Stephanie, let's let's start with you. Well, I think the, the first one is, you know, Mindy and I knew that we needed to kind of get on the map, if you will, and, and do something big 
to announce that, that not only was Gears here, but this issue of the importance of early childhood was here as well and needed to be paid attention to. So we held our first summit in partnership um, with uh, GPB and Taya Ryan has been enormously supportive of all of our efforts. And um, we had CEOs speaking, um, we had retired military, we were able to have both of the gubernatorial candidates there um, at, the, at the time. Um, and that's, that's actually how our journey with Governor Deal started. But one of the highlights, truthfully, and it was amazing to see how excited people got, was we had Elmo. <laughs> we had Elmo come to our initial summit. Um, and it was, it was just such a magical, wonderful way. And we had an audience full of amazing people who made the time to come to that summit. And it really put, uh, it really put us on the map. Um, so I'm really proud of that initial summit. You know, I remember that I was sitting next to, I have a vivid memory of that, I was sitting next to former commissioner Bobby Cagle, and we both realized we were Sesame Street groupies at that point <laughs> uh, because Cookie Monster was in the lobby too, if you remember uh, that day. And then Elmo came, the guy that did, I mean, this is officially Elmo, folks, not not some, you know, uh, Times Square uh, knockoff Elmo. This was the real <laughs> Elmo. Pretty outstanding. Um, Mindy, that's a hard one to beat, but what is a, maybe a highlight for you? Oh, I can think of a lot of highlights. One of them was that right after that, um, remember the Georgia lottery um, proceeds were flattening and there were concerns about both hope and pre-K and cuts that needed to be made. And originally there was a proposal to cut Georgia pre-K to a half day program. And we knew that if Georgia pre-K was cut to a half day program, it was never coming back full day. Like that would be much harder than adding kids to a classroom or um, days to a year. And we were very concerned about Georgia pre-K. And the beauty of that kind of advocacy that we did with partners was that Governor Deal, I think, showed up in person for those meetings, Stephanie, two, three, at least three times in person. Um, I've worked with lots of governors over the years in two different states, and rarely have I had a governor in the end say I was wrong. I've learned from, from, from all that you've told me, and I'm going to reverse course. And because of the work that we all did together, Governor Deal reversed course, and that was pretty exciting. It wasn't, there were still cuts made to pre-K. We shortened the school day, we added kids to a classroom, and we're still dealing with some of the repercussions of that even today. But we were able to keep um, full day pre-K and add back the days as, as um, the Georgia lottery once again. And certainly now people are gambling more than ever. So we're hopeful that we'll be able to do even more with Georgia pre-K and lottery proceeds, but we were able to do that. And that was pretty special. In addition, um, another highlight for us is partnering with DECAL to start quality rated um, and to start not only help fund and raise money and, and Commissioner Jacobs and I and um, Gay Smith went to every funder in the state of Georgia together and side by side asked for support for um, quality rated. We also helped with the logo and the promotions of quality rated. And we're really proud that in doing that, we have helped raise the quality of care in Georgia over the last decade. And that was something really um, important to us as well. And we've had fun. 
We've had a, we've celebrated Georgia's Georgia pre-K's anniversary. We've, Stephanie um, and Commissioner Jacobs have worked together on pre-K teacher of the year. Um, we've had everyone from Jeffrey Canada to Paul Tuff come speak about early care and learning and the importance of that. Um, and we've done bus tours across the state. Um, and so that mix of advocacy and public awareness building and grassroots organizing over the last 10 years, all of those things are highlights, all the relationships that we've made. So one of the things that I also want to add, because it's a relatively recent highlight and DECAL has been such an amazing partner with it, is around the social emotional well-being of our youngest kids and bringing that position in-house to DECAL and all the work that um, one of our teammates at Gears, Callan, helped with um, as well in the study commission. Um, and Amy, I don't know if you want to mention any of that, but it's just, it shows how far we've come that people are not only recognizing the importance of early childhood education, but they're recognizing the importance of the emotional uh, well-being of our youngest kids as well and taking that seriously. Um, and a lot of that uh, credit goes to the partnership with DECAL. Yeah, I agree. We do have a really strong partnership. We couldn't do it alone as a state agency, um, for sure. So we need um, organizations like Gears. And you're right, the infant toddler social emotional health work is so impressive. Um, and we've got policymakers understanding why it's important enough to actually fund a whole position with state funds. Um, and she's doing a remarkable job. And she's We'll have to talk about that in another podcast, Reg, but um, we need to talk about Laura Lucas because she is doing a phenomenal job of bringing all the agencies together that provide those types of services or funding mechanisms or whatever it may be together to actually start um, building a policy around that in Georgia, which we don't, we don't have a real strong one. Not because nobody, we don't want to, it's just because no one has convened the decision makers until now. So that's been, that's been huge. And we did raise $18 million, Mindy. I think we should put a number around that because um, I, funny story from when I came to DECAL and was asked to come to DECAL uh, when Bobby Cagle went to DFACS, that's one of the first things that the governor's office said to me was, I think there's a fundraising campaign going on with Gears and Family Connection. And I was like, oh, we're going to sell donuts? And then like the first time I met Mindy's like, no, we're raising $18 million. I was like, we're doing what? Like that, that just doesn't happen with state agencies. Like state agencies don't do that and they don't do that with advocacy and nonprofit partners. So I mean I think that's a that was hugely impactful. I learned a lot from it and we were successful in that. So and that definitely helped boost quality rated. Yeah. All right. So moving right along. So Gears emphasizes the impact that early childhood education today will have on our economy and our workforce for tomorrow. I want to talk a little bit about that. How do policymakers and the private sector respond to that message? And what role did they play in that? So I'll, I'll give that to Mindy first. And then Stephanie, I'd like for you to weigh in on that as well. So it's interesting. When we first started, we talked a lot about the economic impact. Um, we said, and due to James Heckman, who's a Nobel Prize winning economist, we could talk about the return on investment of early care and learning at, at one point. he Now it's almost up to for every dollar you invest in early care and learning, you get about a 17% return, according to James Heckman. And he's looked at kind of reduction of the need for juvenile justice um, issues, teen pregnancy, um, kids who are able to be in the workforce after they graduate from high school and college. And he's taken all that and said it's about a 17% 
return on investment. But that wasn't um, enough for Georgia lawmakers. We needed Georgian numbers. So the first thing actually is that DECAL did an economic impact study on the economic impact of the childcare industry on Georgia. And I think you guys are about to maybe um, refresh that a little yes. bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, after that, though, we were inspired by a study that was done by our partners in Louisiana um, to look at how childcare challenges actually impact Georgia's workforce and economy. So parents who report that they were absent from work or fired from a job or couldn't take a promotion due to childcare challenges. And we partnered with the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce in 2018. And we did a study that we call Opportunities Lost. We found that Georgia loses, and this was in a pre-COVID economy, Georgia loses 1.75 billion with a B dollars annually due to childcare challenges. We also found that that was about, I think one point, no, $105 million in lost tax revenue due to childcare challenges. So we shared that report widely. And it's great to have a partner like the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce as well to share it. We had legislators who would take our report and wave it from the well when they were speaking about childcare. It continues to be quoted. It's a really seminal part of the research that we've done. And we've worked now on follow-ups that are videos and policy recommendations and um, all kinds of things around that work. Um, so that's one way that we've talked about that economic impact. Stephanie can probably talk about lots of others. Well, I think Mindy touched on it briefly about what we've seen with the pandemic and what has been, you know, so particularly worrisome is the setbacks that have occurred um, for women, you know, 40 years, I think it is, of economic gains wiped out. Um, and, you know, whether it's fortunately, unfortunately, depends, I guess, on where you where you are are in your mindset around this. Um, but still, what we have seen is that disproportionately, the decisions around childcare uh, fall to um, the woman in the family. And um, what we are seeing is, you know, this kind of exodus. Um, and it's, it's disproportionately hurting folks in the service industry, but it's extending up into white collar jobs as well, um, because it has become so difficult to manage um, when childcare is closing or there aren't options for you um, or there's not affordable options for you. Um, and the workforce is really feeling the pinch of all of this. I do think that employers are now realizing they have a responsibility um, in the role that they play in helping their employees have access to high quality early learning environments, because it not only helps the family and the children um, that are being served, but it also helps the employers. Um, productivity is higher, retention is higher, absenteeism is reduced. It's only positive things that happen um, and fortunately, in Atlanta, we've got some great uh, corporate partners who are kind of shining examples of that. Chick-fil-A comes to mind, for instance. But I do think um, that this is the time 
where we need to push even more um, because this is not just a state issue and it's not just a not-for-profit issue. It is also a corporate America issue. And I just want to jump in to say we care so much about that, um, that issue and that point that Stephanie just made that as part of our 10th anniversary celebration, we had a panel where we focused specifically on these workforce issues and what private business can do. It was moderated by David Rubinger at Atlanta Business Chronicle. And it was a great panel with um, people from Bluebird and um, Bright Horizons and um, WorkRise Atlanta. So, I mean, it was just really um, a panel that because we wanted to lift up that issue and we picked our 10th anniversary celebration to do that. Well, Stephanie, you are certainly a visionary, and I think this work is definitely about changing um, the culture. We talk about not saying daycare, but saying childcare. I think that was probably the first first thing we all worked on. And Gears has stressed not saying K-12, but P-12. to Do you see attitudes and perceptions changing about these earliest years? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, when we first started talking about this, um, we encountered lots and lots of folks who, not because they didn't care about kids, but because they just didn't understand about the brain science, they just hadn't been exposed to it, were like, what? tell me why this matters. <laughs> um, and now we really see, in no matter where we go, um, people have a recognition that those first years are formative for the brain. Um, now we still have battles to face because when people talk about education, lots of times they still say K through 12, mm -hmm. but even with that, we have seen a shifting of folks understanding that something really important happens in the brain in the first years of a child's life and the interactions that they have with caring adults is what most impacts that. And I guess one of the, um, best examples of that is that the CEO of the Atlanta Zoo and I, Raymond and I were having um, breakfast and he said, I just want you to know that now, no matter what kind of meeting I'm at, if we're talking about kids, somebody will inevitably say, we have to focus on the early learners too. He said, Gears has changed the landscape of how we talk about this, regardless of what sector we're in, we are now talking about early education. And that was like one of the best things um, I, had, I had heard and it was so, so exciting to hear that from a fellow uh, not-for-profit leader in the Atlanta community. Yeah, that's great. You know, this summer, uh, Gears commissioned a statewide survey of 400 Georgia parents with children ages birth to four that focused on a range of topics, including childcare arrangements and satisfaction levels, general attitudes toward perceptions of and preferences for child care and financial and employment impacts in relation to child care during these unprecedented times. Uh, I know you guys have posted the results to your website, but what were some of the key takeaways for you from uh, that survey? We're really trying to survey parents to see how they are faring um, in the midst of COVID. Um, and kind of how their decision-making may have changed and how the pandemic might have impacted their decision-making. One of the things we found is that parents are relying far more on home-based care. That might be family childcare homes that are licensed by DECAL. 
that could be friend, family, and neighbor care. It could be that a parent has chosen to, or had to stay home with a child. Um, that it kind of encompasses all of that, but we're definitely finding far more of a, um, reliance on home-based care. So we did a, um, a survey in 2007 and 18, 2018, where we found that about 71% of families actually chose some kind of home-based solution. Now it's up to 83%. That's pretty significant. Um, the question is what will happen eight months from now? Um, similarly, we found that, um, 79% of families who were surveyed agreed that finding quality and affordable childcare was a challenge before the coronavirus pandemic and that the, and that the pandemic has only made these challenges more difficult. Um, we find a lot of support for early educators, which is really good to hear because we know what stress our, our teachers of our youngest kids are on, um, on. That drew the broadest agreement of any question we asked in the survey. 90% of parents agreed that um, the pandemic has demonstrated the importance of the work that early childhood educators do. Um, we also asked that question that I mentioned before. In 2018, when we did Opportunities Lost, the economic impact study, we asked if someone in their family had to quit a job, not take a job, or greatly change a job in the last 12 months due to childcare challenges. We asked the same question again on the survey. And we found that one in three, 34%, answered in the affirmative. That's up from 26% in 2018. So remember when I said that in 2018, once we crunched the numbers, we found that Georgia was losing $1.75 billion annually. If we crunch those numbers now and we haven't done that, we would find a huge increase in loss because um, again, 34% are now saying that someone in their family has had to um, quit, quit a job, not take a job or lost a job due to childcare challenges. 53% um, of parents said that the pandemic has changed their employment status to some degree. So that might mean they went part-time. Um, it might mean that they were um, at home. And, and, and of that 53%, 22% of those people who answered yes said that childcare needs were the primary factor in making that change to their employment, 22%. And then another 22% said that childcare needs were partially a factor. So again, very significant when we look at Georgia's economy and childcare, we know that Georgia's economy needs childcare to run and that parents are struggling right now. Um, there are a lot of next steps. When you do a survey, you have, as you guys know, you have questions that you ask and they answer yes, no, or maybe, um, or strongly, not so strongly, whatever. Um, but then you are left with lots of questions after you get the answers back. And so we are um, doing focus groups of both parents and of child, we're gonna do one focus group of providers to learn a little bit more about how the pandemic and how the current situation is impacting families and childcare. And we hope to do that again a year from now. We wanna keep following, we won't follow the same families, but we wanna keep asking families the questions because we think that's gonna help us from a policy perspective, figure out how to inform legislators and others of, um, of what they might be doing. Well, now, right here in the city of Atlanta, you are leading um, a new called PACT, which stands for Promise All Atlanta Children Thrive. And through that effort, you talk about the opportunity gap starting early 
And one of the most urgent problems facing parents is what we've just talked about, early childhood education. So uh, what's going on with PACT? And I know we've just started a, a media kind of social media campaign where we said, if Atlanta doesn't invest in education now, we'll pay for it later. So talk about all of that, Mindy and or Stephanie. <laughs> I'll jump in first, but I'm going to ask Stephanie to really um, inspire us all kind of with the work that PAC's doing. We are so excited about this work because it is really a true public-private partnership. Um, when we established the PACT recommendations, we had everyone from Commissioner Jacobs to um, private philanthropy to um, leaders from our city government to childcare providers and others sit around a table and think, what can we do in the city of Atlanta to make sure that the city of Atlanta is a great place to raise infants and toddlers and a great place to be a family? Um, and as a result, we came up with recommendations that we are now implementing in the middle of a pandemic. We have um, done things from giving the first about a million dollars of stabilization grants to childcare providers in the city of Atlanta before Georgia got federal money. And so now of course, um, DECAL is given stable grants that have really helped stabilize the entire field in the state of Georgia, but we were proud to be the first with private dollars in that beginning of the emergency. We also have funded scholarships um, and um, are working to raise money for more. We're excited about that. I'm going to let Stephanie talk about that in just a minute. But not only have we, and, and not only have we launched a social media campaign, but if you drive around the city of Atlanta, you will also see billboards that talk about the importance of invest, investing in young kids and the reason that this is an important issue for the city of Atlanta. That's just started billboards and are just going up. If you ride MARTA or buses, there's also um, ads in the MARTA and bus um, and the bus lines. And we are really excited kind of for the next steps for, for PACT. Your, your dog is excited too. I know. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, going back to the conversation we were having earlier about um, the, the, the corporate community, um, as well as um, philanthropy and private citizens, while we've seen an increasing awareness around what is happening in those birth to five years, um, I think there has still been a little bit, maybe, I don't know if hesitancy is the right word or or just um, not knowing how to, to jump into this space. But some people still feel like, you know, well, that's their, their home, their little kids, you know, that's, that's not someplace where, where we need to jump in. But what research has shown us um, and what we know about not only cities, but, but countries, frankly, that pay a lot of attention to this um, and do so with a commitment from the city, from um, city council, from uh, you know county commissioners, all the way up to state level, is that the kids do better, and so the name PACT, which as you mentioned, Amy stands for Promise All Atlanta Children Thrive, is also a play on the word of making a promise to our kids, and that's something that Comer Yates, who has been involved with the PACT work as well is always big about, you know, what is our promise we're making to our kids who were born into Atlanta? And so when you make a pact with someone, you are in effect 
um, making an agreement. And that's what we're asking all of the citizens of Atlanta to do, regardless of where you sit, whether it's as a grandparent, as a business leader, a philanthropic leader, um, a legislative leader, whatever it may be, we want you to take the pledge. Um, to, and you can, we even have a website for that. It's www.childrenraiseatlanta.org. Um, and we want everyone to take the pledge. So recently um, we had Matt Ryan who has taken the pledge um, to support these efforts. And if you wanna learn more about just PACT in general, uh, you can go to PACT and that's all caps, pactatl.org um, to learn more about PACT as well. But um, we, we can't announce some things yet, but we have some things in the pipeline that I think are gonna be so exciting and transformative for our city. Um, and, uh, you know, if we were talking about this a month later, maybe we can come back and have another podcast um, about what uh, the PACT work is gonna be doing in Atlanta. But uh, no other city that we know of in the country is doing something like this. So we're very excited about Atlanta being on the forefront, but we also think that the PACT work is replicable to other cities. So this is, while we're starting in Atlanta, we don't want it to end in Atlanta. We'd love to see this in Savannah or Augusta or wherever in the state um, is willing to make the same pledge and commitment to our kids. Great work and very exciting. Uh, so we'll follow that. We will have you guys back and, and talk more about it. We are almost out of time on uh, this episode. I did want to ask you guys with 10 years in the rearview mirror now, let's look 10 years ahead. What are your hopes uh, for Gears going forward? First of all, we have an incredible team at Gears. And I would be remiss if I didn't just, I wish I could name every staff member, but we will run out of time. Um, but one thing that is that building this team and keeping it intact and helping them grow is, is a real goal. Another is, as Stephanie said, replicating this packed work, replicating some other work we're doing with training, P3 training throughout the state. We want to take some of these programs across the state um, and build stronger cities throughout the state of Georgia. We also want to make sure that families can afford that ha, ha, can afford and have access to high quality childcare. And that means that um, what HHS says is that no family should pay more than 7% of their income to childcare. We've got a long way to go in Georgia and we wanna work to get there. We wanna work to have a stable workforce, those child, early childhood educators um, with career paths. We wanna partner with you on that as well. And we wanna make sure that families are healthy, stable, that they, we want to address those mental health issues, as Stephanie said, but also look at things like paid family leave, um, things that when children live in the context of a family, that they have strong, healthy families, high quality, loving educators, and um, great places to play and live um, and communities that support them throughout the state. So that's the work that we want to do together. We want to um, partner with communities, with parents, with families, and certainly with um, policymakers to do that. And um, we're excited by our partnership, but even more by the relationships that we've built around the state and frankly, around the country um, as we've led gears. 
we we often use the expression that something that's so obvious, um, so easy, or you know, we should all be doing it or whatever is a real no-brainer, right? We use that no-brainer expression. My goal would be that we change that expression to, "Wow, that's that's an early brainer," you know. Um, so that we recognize, everyone recognizes the importance of these formative years um, and understands, you know, the, the building process for uh, the healthiest brains. You know, every child is born into this world with the potential. You know, they're, they're a seedling waiting to be planted. Um, the environment that they get planted into has tremendous impact on, on how they develop and what they grow into. So my goal, you know, 10 years from now is that all of our sweet little seedlings um, in Georgia have the ability to be planted into an environment, whether that's at home or in an amazing early child, uh, childhood center that allows them to grow and thrive and bloom in ways that not only benefit them, benefit our state as well. Great ideas. Stephanie and Mindy, this has been a great discussion. We could talk for a long time uh, just about the work uh, that Gears is doing with DECAL, yet alone the other outstanding work that you guys are doing. We want to give a website and a phone number if you'd like more information, because really, if you're listening to this today and you're not a corporation and you're not a lobbyist or a state employee, uh, there's still some work for you to do. You can get involved in this cause and uh, be a part of what's happening in changing the landscape and the culture of early childhood education in Georgia, around the country, and around the world. Just uh, call Gears at 404-410-8564. That's 404-410-8564. Or you can visit them online at gears, G-E-E-A-R-S dot org. That's gears dot org. You can also find them on social media. They're all over the place, uh, actively involved out there. So uh, just find out what's going on and uh, take a look. We always share a lot of our social media together between Gears and Decal. Stephanie, Mindy, thanks so much for being with us. Congratulations on 10 years. We can't wait to see what the next 10 are like. Thank you so much for having us. And, and Reg, Mindy and I have decided that if things don't work out at DECAL, you have a future in radio for sure. <laughs> Back to his roots, right? Back to his roots. <laughs> Back to the roots. I think I'll stay right here. I kind of like it. <laughs> and thank Thanks. you, Amy. Thank you for all your leadership and your partnership. Um, we, we hope we get to keep working with you, too. Oh, well, thank you. Appreciate it. We enjoy our relationship and our partnership. I'll tell you, y'all took me under your wing when I didn't know much. So thank you for being kind to me almost eight years ago. <laughs> now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, this is Leanne Hendricks with the Audits and Compliance Division in Atlanta. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, what's the largest number of people you've had on a virtual meeting at one time since COVID began? Oh, Wally, and that is a good question. Um, you know, I have to say uh, we did a lot of virtual meetings with our childcare providers, definitely at the beginning of the pandemic. And I think we had, you know, up to 
a thousand individuals logging in at any time. And so uh, we were able to reach them and luckily nothing crashed. Everything seemed to work just fine. Um, usually it's not that big. Um, usually it's just, you know, a handful of folks depending on who we're meeting with, but I think it was up to a thousand at the very beginning when we were doing uh, routine webinars with childcare providers to keep them up to date on everything that was changing. The question is not how many were on a zoom call, how many were happy about being right. on a zoom <laughs> Well, it depends. Can you have your camera off or do you have to have your camera on? <laughs> right. So many options. <laughs> And it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to this question. Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. Who is the founder and board chair for Gears? Who is the founder and board chair for Gears? Answer that question. Decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. You might win a nice prize from Andretti Indoor Carding and Games, Chick-fil-A, Fernbake Museum, Georgia Lottery, Gwinnett Stripers, The School Box, Six Flags Over Georgia, Stone Mountain Park, Skyline Park at Pont City Market, Wild Animal Safari, and Wild Adventures Theme Park. Again, decal download at decal.ga.gov. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.